Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome to another podcast on Kashmir and me. And today marks the 30th day of siege in Kashmir and on the communications clampdown. Many of us still haven't talked to our families, which is only affecting our mental health and the anxiety is rising. So what better time than to right now to talk to a professional expert who can help us go through this situation. His name is Mr. Yaqeen Sikandar. He was born and raised in Srinagar and he is a psychologist and a writer and he loves traveling. He has done his bachelor's from Malaysia and is right now in Istanbul for his master's and he has written his thesis in Germany and he is a counseling psychologist. Yaqeen Saab, uh, welcome to podcast Kashmir and me. Uh, well, uh, thank you very much for having me here on your podcast. Uh, so, uh, Yaqeen Saab, I came across uh, your video Mm-hmm. which you posted on Facebook and Instagram about how we have to keep ourselves sane yeah. during these difficult times. Mm-hmm. And first one was, since there is a communication gap between Kashmir and us, yeah. we don't have to pay heed to the rumors, Absolutely. since there are a lot of uh, news that can come up and which can make us very much worried about our loved ones back home. That's right. So, what do you think about that? Uh, what actually I think basically, uh, first of all, as a psychologist, as a mental health uh, practitioner, and uh, being a Kashmiri who has seen conflicts since I was born and raised, uh, that really makes me concerned about especially the young people. So the story starts when I put on a tweet that if uh, anybody needs mental health counseling in the conditions that are going like students or who are living outside, because obviously internet is not working back home. I was uh, amazed and surprised as well as I was actually scared to see the overwhelming response of a lot of young people, mostly students, uh, boys and girls, approaching me for mental health counseling. And to the extent that I couldn't actually respond to all of them at an individual level, so I thought to make a video to develop resilience and uh, conflict that we are going through. And as such, uh, when I made the video, the response was really overwhelming and people started writing to me and things. So what we need to do in order to make it through the conflict, I always emphasize. And that's what my specialization as a psychologist is as well, which is post-traumatic growth and uh, development of resilience. Because we have to understand one thing. Once conflict happens in any part of the world, I have worked with uh, in, in Sudan, where there is a conflict in Africa, which is going on as well as, uh, you know, you have refugees from Syria. My master's thesis is about Syrian refugee children, as well as uh, I have worked with Uyghur uh, Chinese uh, Muslims uh, back in my bachelor's days in Malaysia. So one thing common about conflict, uh, if it happens in Kashmir or uh, China or uh, Africa or Syria or Yemen, the common thing is uh, conflict leads to trauma. Basically, what is trauma? It's our response to the conflict. And the outcomes of trauma, we can broadly say that there are two outcomes. One is disempowerment and another one is helplessness. We feel disempowered because of the fear and we feel helpless due to the growing uncertainty about the future, which is why we have to especially protect the mental health of everybody, especially the young people with dreams which are crushed because of that traumatic outcome, which is why we need to work in the field of not just 
post-traumatic stress but also post-traumatic growth that is what my take is that's why all my efforts of mental health are basically in the areas of conflict to empower especially the young people as well as to overcome the sense of helplessness and uncertainty and fear that is growing among the young people and the anxiety for especially in the recent situation in Kashmir where the students and the young people and the people who are working outside are not being able to reach their beloved ones so yeah and uh, now uh, you know kashmir is a very closely knit society That's right. and uh, whenever there is even a small disconnect we are not able to reach to our loved ones mm-hmm. the pain is you know amplified That's right. but being a closely knit society mm-hmm. like uh, there are there kashmiri diaspora is a very well connected mm-hmm. uh, group of people that's right do you think the kashmiri diaspora right now have to play a very important role in maintaining the post traumatic growth and reducing the post traumatic stress about this present scenario in kashmir i really think that as you said that kashmir is a very closely knit society i think sometimes uh, as i said in the video as well blessings come in disguise this clamp down on communication in kashmir if it did nothing one of the positive outcomes was it at least united the kashmiri diaspora and if we look at things like for example uh, let's say conflict in palestine or any other areas to internationalize and globalize the issue we definitely need the help of uh, diaspora in promoting uh, Uh, whatever we want to promote in kashmir so the voice of the diaspora has to really be strong and we who are living outside kashmir have an important role to play as uh, kashmiris because this time what is happening is also a threat to the kashmiri identity and kashmiris have a very strong uh, sense of identity which uh, they would always uh, or we would always try to maintain that so that's why it's very essential the role of diaspora and we have to do whatever we could because maybe we have more resources not only resources but maybe we are luckier than the others who made it where we are so in order to uh, be grateful in order to show our gratitude we should try to give back to where we belong back to our roots back to uh, kashmir and that's who we essentially are and uh, kashmiri uh, culture has this uh, term called as milsar or uh, mechanisms within our kashmiri culture that promote collectivism as well as it's in our ethos like we say milsar like we say lual baran all these terms mm-hmm. they have uh, deeper values and meanings uh, which are reflected in our culture as well which is why to promote Uh, what you call as mental health as well my approach has always been a community approach to mental health that mental health is not an individual affair which is in the western psychological perspective but when you when it comes to the eastern or our world view as kashmiris as eastern people as people of the orient or as muslims it's more collectivistic in the sense so we have to promote a psychology which is more based on the community and interesting part about eastern cultures especially the kashmiri culture is when we study resilience uh, which i study as a psychologist i see a lot of things in resilience for example the sense of community uh, connectedness be it uh, the connection which we have with ourselves connection with others as well as our connection with what is transcendental what we call as a spiritual connection or our connection with god which is very strong so in the kashmiri culture resilience is rooted down 
in the Kashmiri culture, values and ethos, which is how we have been surviving so many onslaughts historically, what has been happening to us. And uh, we are people who are still thriving. I'm sure if it happens, what is happening in Kashmir, if it happens in any other part of India, I'm not sure if they can survive the way that Kashmiris are used to because of the things which have been done to us historically since the past. Absolutely. If we look at history, you know, history is a witness to how Mughals invaded us, That's right. how Dogras, uh, we were sold to Dogras by the yes. Britishers, our resilience in 1931, and then after all the 70, de- 70 years That's right. under this occupation. And uh, we have always come out with flying colors. True. And uh, although um, I just wanted to point out that the recent research by uh, Doctors Without Borders, mm-hmm. MSF, mm-hmm. it suggested that more than 49% of Kashmiri adults have PTSD, some sort of PTSD. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are the same adults. Uh, it's the third or fourth generation of Kashmiris that are in this present conflict That's now. Right. So all of them were born and mm-hmm. raised mm-hmm. during the armed struggle in That's Kashmir. Right. And we are a product of the same generation. Indeed. So... Yeah, and uh, what what do you think is the way out in reducing that percentage? Because now is a generation in of Kashmiris that is coming up, that is living under under even more greater military presence, even more conflict. Yes, and do you do you think this percentage will only go up, or we have to manage it? Somehow? Well, uh, there is an opinion. I surely have one. Well, you talked about the MSF report. According to their uh, 2015 report, what is very interesting is that the report mentions 45% of adult population having symptoms of distress, which is 1.8 million people, roughly. And just to break it down, they found uh, 41% of people with the symptoms of depression, 26% of the people with symptoms of anxiety, as well as 19% of the adults who show symptoms of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and not only that according to the report an average Kashmiri has witnessed 7.7 traumatic events in their lifetime which is actually way above the normal because even some people you witness one traumatic event you know it could be a tsunami it could be a tornado it could be a cyclone it could even be the death of somebody it could be a violent event it could be war it could be conflict any such event mm-hmm. would classify as a traumatic event imagine a kashmiri on an average a kashmiri adult has seen 7.7 traumatic events so there is a lot which is uh, going down the people and when uh, mentally uh, speaking, like talking about mental health, these emotions of especially young people, of the youth, their aspirations, their dreams, they are just not represented. They are just pushed to the wall. So there is a lot of anger. There is a lot of fear. And all those emotions, they are repressed. And uh, repressed emotions, uh, they can be you know, expressed in a couple of ways. One is uh, repression. You just repress those emotions. They're within you in the form of fear because you don't express them. Or you turn to violent means because you don't find a way to, uh, you know, address or you don't find a grievance cell which redresses the problem or which acknowledges what went wrong. So when the young people are pushed to the wall, nobody listens to them. Nobody listens to what they want and nobody actually cares 
of what is happening on the ground, which is what is happening in this whole scenario. And I always emphasize this whole human behavior is uh, motivated uh, through our thoughts and through our, you know, cognitive processes or through our psychological states. And uh, India has never tried to understand the Kashmir conflict in a psychological manner. If they had understood, for example, Kalhan has mentioned in his Raj Tarangni, he says that Kashmiri people can uh, never be converted or you can never win them through uh, military forces because their belief in God is extremely strong. So if you want to win these people, you only have to go through the way of spirituality. And that is that has always been true. So how we can alleviate or make these uh, distress symptoms lesser is to promote uh, what I call as the post-traumatic growth and how we can do that. There are definitely a lot of ways to do it. As I said in the video as well before, making connections. We have to keep the connection with our own self strong, with our family, as well as with the community. So if we are talking about empowerment, we have to start at uh, community levels, which is already there to a certain extent, but it also needs some guiding hand. We also have a failure of leadership. You know, so that that needs to be shaped mm -hmm. more as well as we have to help ourselves by helping other people, you know. So if we are empowered, then only we can empower others because you can never serve from an empty vessel. So we as a vessel, we as uh, the means, we have to keep ourselves full, be it full of knowledge, be it full of giving, be it whatever resources that we have, we have to create the sense of sharing them as well as taking care of ourselves, And I would always say, give yourself a news break. Meaning to say that uh, when we consume a lot of news, be it true, be it fake, or be it whatsoever it is, it modifies our behavior as well as our actions. And there are scientific studies done on that. So sometimes, you know, when we turn on news, we find always there is just doom and gloom. And it's not only about that. So sometimes we need to give, give ourselves a break and rather than, you know, listening to the rumors, oh, what's going to happen or there is going to be hartal or Internet is never going to come back. No, even talking about these things is not going to make our condition better. What's actually what we can do on the ground, do something that can help yourself as well as that can help somebody else. At the same time, maintaining a positive outlook on life. Uh, you know, Viktor Frankl, uh, the one who wrote uh, uh, the book about you know, the purpose and the meaning of life that he talked about as a psychiatrist who was and as a psychologist as well, who was in Auschwitz uh, concentration camp. Uh, and he wrote the book called Man's Search for Meaning, uh, which has millions of copies sold. And he said, ultimately, human beings, what we live for is a meaning, is a narrative. So what is the meaning that we are actively creating for ourselves? That's really important what we are feeding ourselves what information we are consuming you know the books we read the news we read the environment we live in we become that so sometimes it's essential to detox ourselves be it from social media be it from whatever the media is trying to promote and sometimes we just need to believe in ourselves you know if our belief in ourselves is strong uh, we can accomplish a lot of things i'd like to uh, point out two things here uh, uh, that might help uh, the first thing is when we see uh, a bird sitting on a branch and I often go outside uh, in the nature, in the woods for camping. I'm a backpacker. I've been to many countries as well as in Turkey where I live. We often go for camping and you will see this in nature. Whenever you see a bird 
coming and sitting on the branch and sometimes that branch really breaks off and that wood falls down on the ground and then what happens mm -hmm. is we use that wood as firewood to make campfires but the point here that i'm trying to make is whenever the branch breaks we see the bird moving from one branch to the another right without any fear why because the belief of the bird is in its own wings and not on the strength of the branch so rather than anything else first and foremost we should make our belief in ourselves stronger uh, the second part, which is very important when we are talking about role of propaganda and the media and whatever is happening on the ground. Well, uh, we often talk about in our education system about how uh, Hitler killed uh, six million Jews. It's a very common uh, saying that we always talk about it. But uh, I was a month back, I visited Auschwitz in Poland, where you can uh, see how uh, lives of uh, 1.2 million Jews who were sent to gas chambers and who uh, died there and how horrific it has been. So the question, why is that? Uh, why is it that our education system tells us uh, Hitler killed six million Jews, but it doesn't teach us the process of dehumanization that how he convinced a nation to kill all those innocent people that's what uh, we need to talk about that process of dehumanization that happens because of the conflict in the victims as well as in the perpetrators so we have to stop ourselves from dehumanizing ourselves and we have to stay humane that is one of the things that we have to do and uh, yes oh yeah absolutely very important to note that um, when a conflict is such a prolonged one that it goes on for centuries That's or decades right. even you know the victims it's aftermath yeah you know, absolutely yeah, it's impact yeah they just be become dehumanized especially for the people who are perpetrating all the oppression upon them and then they are just numbers for them it's just and a game absolutely of you know it also leaves people who are marginalized you know it leaves them with scars and absolutely, those scars forever. are very hard to heal you know the trauma that people undergo we sometimes undermine it you know uh, people who are desensitized like who uh, were tortured by the police the women who were raped i mean it's like uh, they think like it's like a life sentence for them and which is why we have intervention we have uh, psychotherapy we have all these other techniques that we try to tell these people that this is not over this is not a life sentence and it was no mistake of yours so we believe in the model which is uh, strengthening which is empowering as well as that can tell people that you know what life is still worth living and life is still beautiful i can understand despite of all the helplessness we always have hope and we as kashmiri nation and as people we have a strong belief in our god and that is what helps us make it through absolutely so, yeah. um before we move on to the second part of our podcast, uh, I think what we learned until now is that it's very important that we immediately start humanizing our stories. And That's right. We, the, we share our values and how we have been brought up, how we have lived through the sieges True. and curfews and mm -hmm. bring them real life experience to the fore not just talk That's about right. numbers that 120 people were killed in 2016 or That's there was right. a 100 day curfew or right now there is this and that talk about mm -hmm. real human stories so that we connect yes. to the people outside Absolutely. at an emotional level and they understand Absolutely. us like human beings and not like 
numbers. Yes, and that's uh, the people who uh, give their lives or people who were killed or people who died in the conflict. It's, it has just become a number for us, like how many people died, but each one of them is an individual with a story. Absolutely. And those and, are... And everyone has things, a unique, they lived, unique story. They Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we need to emphasize as human beings, as Kashmiris. And we have those unsung heroes, you know, uh, so we have to know our roots. We have to know our history and we have to know th these people and we have to uh, celebrate their sacrifices. And then only uh, there would be acknowledgement as well as there would be a sense of healing as a community when we share our stories. And then other people would be like, oh, yeah, that's the same thing. That's the same trauma that I suffered from. So the first thing as Kashmiris, as individuals, we need to do is to tell our stories, to tell our narratives so that not just Kashmiri people, but whosoever has suffered in conflict would be able to relate to us and they would know that, you know what, we are not alone. There are other people who have been through the same pain that we are going through, that we have been through, and we don't want it to happen to others. Absolutely. Um, Yakin Saab, a uh, majority of our audience on the podcast is Kashmiri diaspora because That's right. this message does not reach to Kashmiris inside Kashmir. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, we said uh, right after the events uh, before August 5, the mm -hmm. panic, uh, the hoarding of uh, grains and fueling up cars and yeah. uh, bringing oil to home, bringing medicines, calling That's everybody right. that maybe the phones will be shut. And then the mm -hmm. events on August 5, passing of uh -huh. orders and stuff, and then events That's after right. August 5. Mm -hmm. Kashmiris who are listening to this, I'm sure, are traumatized, uh, including yes. me, myself. And, That's uh, right. And first week i felt very i'm still feeling very helpless because there is nothing that i can do about mm -hmm. it i'm not able to talk to my mother which is my primary concern right now yes and uh, uh, i am worried about how my grandmother is getting her insulin how my mm -hmm. younger brother is there is he safe about my family that's the primary concern of every kashmiri who is outside and including me the... as well as a psychologist absolutely. a person who gives hope and therapy to other people i have the absolutely the same concern and i recently tweeted about it i was like there was this young person who reached to me with all the anxiety of not being able to reach home and uh, what is happening back in the family and stuff and i just told him what i had to tell him as a psychologist but then the fears and the anxiety that uh, he just talked about i share the same concern and the same fears as Absolutely. a human being yes um, because um, we have uh, we have a positive side that gives us hope but there is also a side which makes us very careful about uh, things that can go yes. wrong so That's there right. is a very perfect balance naturally but then when mm -hmm. you have seen darkness too much darkness over the years yeah. you only think mm -hmm. to think about the bad stuff and yes. right now that has overtaken most of the kashmiri brains outside yakin mm -hmm. um to we, I, I won't say that one podcast will bring them out of it but True. you shared some four to five points in your video That's and one right, of them was uh that there is cbt cognitive behavioral therapy, Be therapy i being a medical yeah. student know a little bit mm -hmm. about it mm -hmm. being muslims and kashmiris like you said mm -hmm. we have a closely knit society yes. how can you tell us that we implement a spiritual mm -hmm. cbt or any kind of cbt in our lives I mean, so that we feel better 
absolutely for me i am uh, more into i am into cbd for sure which is cognitive behavioral therapy as well as existential psychotherapy as well as we make models based on uh, islamic uh, psychotherapy because uh, i studied uh, religion as well as therapy models which are based on uh, islamic um, spiritual uh, tradition and uh, if we uh, well one thing that we have to realize also from a religious perspective and also from the perspective of the model of cognitive behavioral therapy which is basically how do you replace your negative maladaptive thoughts with more positive ones with more things that work you know it includes a lot of things uh, including questioning ourselves introspection what you call as also socratic questioning and then there is the homework assignments and all but all in all if we refer uh, to our own uh, tradition if we refer to the tradition of islam and uh, the life of the prophet may god's peace be upon him so we we always find uh, uh, stories of uh, resilience that how much he had to suffer because he had a message he had a vision and he had a mission because cause is greater than the human beings who support it so ultimately if we are doing it for people we would end up disappointed but if we are doing it for a greater cause whatsoever it would be for a greater meaning it gives a purpose a direction to us so we have to introspect ourselves why are we doing whatever we are doing you know and uh, the prophet himself uh, god's peace and mercy be upon him he said that uh, you know amazing is the affair of a believer you know if anything good happens to him uh, you know he just has gratitude or shukr for the sake of god and if anything bad happens uh, to him or her uh, you know the believer is uh, patient so as uh, believers or as from the perspective of uh, cognitive behavioral psychology we have to believe that as believers as muslims as kashmiris that whatever is happening one way or the other it is the will of god and nothing escapes that right so whatever is happening it is still a part of god's will and nothing happens without his will so no matter if we are in the condition of uh, thankfulness in the condition of uh, shukr which is also good for us as well as in the condition of sabr you know that we have to be patient with the god's will until whatever he has uh, decreed upon us for the reasons which are best known to him so that is what we can tell ourselves right and uh, optimism is also having uh, what we also teach in positive psychology is basically the psychology of happiness and uh, having a sense of gratitude that you know as they say in english every day above ground is a good day <laughs> and uh, uh, kashmiris you know we have uh, developed uh, the type of jokes uh, you know like you know in jokes as friends we always say aisha hartal and when i spaga hartal when i guess is podia all these things all this vocabulary that we have developed is a sense of uh, resilience is a mechanism as a defense um, ego defense mechanism that we people have in order to live and thrive within the conditions and the conflict that we are living in but we don't look at it from a psychological perspective but the what we call as a conversational currency or the things that we talk about a lot of this vocabulary that we grew up with you know ashkal ashhartal wankarneer calendar this is something which is unique to kashmiris nobody else would understand it right once you kanijang once you so all these all these uh, narrative Mm-hmm. people who have lived there have grown up there this is our sense our mechanism that we have developed so that is one thing that uh, i can talk about another thing is uh, even uh, with gratitude there is what we call as husn zan 
you know, thinking always about positive outcomes. And one thing that helps people survive the worst conditions and make the best of their lives is maintaining that outlook and not losing hope. As we always say, right? Exactly. So, so tradition has Pandis Panas was revived current. Varia Himas Kashirmas in Naujavan Chas Hastorpe, Yeltipatat can talk to Skara Colleges Mazia University Mas, Timjamishwanaya, Asepor Loktimaya, Bakichis, the Kerya Katichis, Kortumanka Empath. You know, faith is uh, sometimes, as uh, Martin Luther uh, King said, he said, uh, faith is sometimes just like taking the first step, even though you don't see the whole staircase. So, take that first step. You know, when I graduated from Malaysia, I started Inspire Me Foundation in Kashmir. We provide mental health support. Now we provide scholarships for uh, students who are unprivileged. And as such, we do certain projects. But when we started, we started from zero, you know, without any help, without any support. So that's how something helps. We have to initiate something. Uh, I tell you something which might be helpful. Uh, Two examples I would like to give here. And why? Because these are very relevant whenever I talk to Kashmiri people, especially young ones who are students, who are full of potential, who are full of life and who should be full of dreams. As Benjamin Franklin said, he said, most people die at the age of 20, but are not buried until they are 70. Right. So when dreams die, uh, I mean, that is uh, just like uh, death. So in uh, positive psychology, there is a term called as learned helplessness. It's the helplessness that we learn. I can give you two examples of this. One is how they train uh, elephants in the circus or in the zoo. When the elephant is young, like a baby, like an infant, they tie the elephant to the chain, chains with a pole, right? And they grow up like this. Until a time comes that elephant is the largest uh, mammal that roams the earth, it is strong enough to break the chain and break the pole, but it doesn't because it's conditioned to be tied to that chain because it has struggled all its childhood, all its youth to break out of those chains. Even though as an adult, it can certainly break out of those chains, but it doesn't because it's conditioned to that. Sometimes same is the condition of our young people. There are still possibilities. Trust me. I am an example. I was. I grew up uh, until I was 10, 12. I grew up in uh, downtown. And then we moved uh, to some other place in Kashmir and uh, I made it, you know, I, I don't come from a very privileged background as well. So that is important that we have to understand. And another example would be the experiment of the bees. You know, they put bees are very active, uh, you know, creatures. And in English, there's a proverb, they say as active as a bee. So uh, they just put these bees in a jar and they close the lid. And obviously the bees, they just tried to escape from the jar. They tried their best, but the lid was there. So they tried, they struggled, tried and tried and tried for a very long time, but did not succeed. After that, the scientists who were doing this experiment, they removed the lid. And guess what? None of the bees escaped because they believed that the lid is still there. And I find these examples of learned helplessness even among the young people of Kashmir. You know, because they think that everything is impossible anymore. Yes, the conflict has its own realities, be it social, economic, cultural or demographic. But at the same time, we have to find mechanisms within the resources that we already have. And I still think we can thrive based on whatever we can do. So that is something that I would like to emphasize that uh, uh, that we don't have to make ourselves more helpless than we actually are. Right. Absolutely. And, I st- and you and, talked about... Yeah. Mm-hmm. You talked about yourself, Tuichu Winkes, 
پانس تہِ ہیلپ کران تہٕ پانس سۭتۍ سۭتۍ چھُو تُہۍ باقین تہِ کوشش کران کہ یِم نیرن ایم اے مشکلات منٛز نیبر بائی پرووائڈنگ اسکالرشپس اور ایون جسٹ ٹاکنگ گڈ کائنڈ ورڈس ایون دیٹ از این ایکٹ آف بیوٹیفل کائنڈنیس we are talking about this and it is obviously for us it is easier said than done mm-hmm. uh, you said average kashmiri adults have experienced at least seven traumatic events during That's their right. lifetimes mm-hmm. and um, this is going to be a very personal question to you as well mm-hmm. uh, these events um, can be anything but mostly they are related to conflict yes. how how do we balance uh, between i mean uh, since august 5th till eid yes uh, i did not go to my university i skipped classes i did not mm-hmm. go to library i have a very different schedule um, but i i missed everything i stopped cooking i stopped eating yeah and then when i started to go into a normal life again it was very difficult i mm-hmm. did i do not want to meet people i yeah. did not want to pick up any phone calls mm-hmm. how do you tell these kashmiri people who are traumatized right now mm-hmm. to take a balance because they have to take sad events seriously mm-hmm. and also be normal in their own lives i had talked to my friends who are in say bangalore yeah. and mm-hmm. when they are at their rooms they are very mm-hmm. sad but in yeah. the morning they have to go to work and they have to put yes. up a smile on their faces that's right what what do you tell us how do we draw normals right now by being happy in the day mm-hmm. and still carrying that positivity when mm-hmm. we are alone and when darkness and we are very very vulnerable to darkness how yes. do we carry the positivity in that well uh, what i can tell you is that i had a pretty much of a, a similar reaction and sometimes it's not always uh, bad uh, to show your uh, vulnerability in uh, professional uh, psychological terms we call it uh, self disclosure and that's where a, a therapist uh, discloses something about themselves to the client uh, f- making sure that uh, the client is not the only one with uh, problems if that helps in the therapy and what i can tell you is when all this uh, things when all of this was happening and i was not able to reach my family because i've been living abroad since uh, 10 years and this was the first time uh, there was an eid uh, when i have uh, not been able to speak to my mother speak to my father mm-hmm. speak to my brothers and uh, that was absolutely really hard on me and uh, this was this didn't seem like uh, what we call as uh, an auspicious uh, day ashuna bord do hasa sho ya baaki cheez sho matlab eid asna atmas matlab eid hun maqsad sho matlab sho lafzi meaning sho khushi matlab atmas kus khushi che gel nas panen garken se thik kath karit ya baaki cheez im atse che associated so that's that was one of the really uh, sad things and then my brother was that time in delhi and he was going back Uh, to kashmir and then i lost contact i only had contact with my brother and then i even lost it uh, when he went back to kashmir and then for like couple of weeks there was uh, no contact or no connection and uh, that was extremely sad and when we talk about this darkness uh, which envelops us or which grips us especially when we are alone and then we are supposed to do whatever we are doing well one thing as a mental health uh, practitioner uh, that i have learned is we all have stresses we all have problems uh, and we have to carry on with them and wh- when do we exactly recommend counseling or psychotherapy it is when there is anything happening in your life be it anxiety be it sadness or stress and if it doesn't go naturally if it doesn't follow a natural course which means 
if those problems, whatever are happening, maybe due to conflict, maybe due to not reaching your family. And if it starts, you know, continuously interfering in your daily life functioning, like you're not eating well, you're not sleeping well, and you're not taking interest in the things that you were once interested in. That time we can say that the problem is getting real. Then after a certain period of time, you know, uh, going to therapy would be uh, one of the ideas. So one thing is that uh, never take your personal self uh, for granted. That's why we have uh, things like psychotherapy, seeking professional help. You know, sometimes there are uh, things that you cannot solve on your own. That is one part. Another thing that I would recommend is mindset is really essential. Look, one thing that we have to understand is how do we train our mind despite of everything that is happening? So it's based on our interpretation because at the end of the day growth and positivity and optimism it comes from the same place like negativity which is our mind right so mm -hmm. which one uh, do we have more than the other at the same time uh, what i will tell you because we were talking about the cognitive behavioral perspective sometimes we have to apparently uh, accept certain things in our life or maybe we are settling for a little bit lesser because it would have a greater outcome in the future, right? Meaning to say that, for example, uh, from the uh, Sirah of the Prophet, uh, may God's peace be upon Salah him, when we talk about the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was apparently a defeat, right? Uh, because uh, when he was uh, telling them right in the treaty, like, what do we write? Uh, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And they said, yeah, we recognize what is Bismillah, but we don't know what is Rahman and Rahim. Delete them. And the Prophet was like, all right, uh, delete it. And then when it came to the article of the faith, which is our Shahada, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, they said, La ilaha illallah, we do agree so, with it, but we don't agree with the latter part. And the Prophet was like, that's for sure, delete it. And a lot of the Prophet's companions, they were really angry about it. They were like, how is this possible? And he said, you know, no problem, just accept it for now. And then in the chapter of Fath in the Quran, God says that, or the Allah mentioned that this is a clear victory because that was the period when those non-Muslims, they came in contact with the Muslims and they actually saw how their lifestyle is. You know, what here I'm trying to talk about is the greater good. I know all of us are suffering and uh, all of us have anxiety at uh, different levels. We are not being able to reach our family, but this should not totally let us, you know, put down our guards and uh, make us give up upon everything. No. We are the people who have always been exposed to suffering, always been exposed to conflict, but we have thrived and we have maintained our identity. We have maintained our culture despite of whatever was brought down to us. And I believe the main reason for that is was our belief in God, which is why I said earlier as well, a strong belief in a transcendental force, which is our God in that sense or your prayers that everything and uh, maintaining an optimistic uh, attitude and scientifically or psychologically speaking as well not just in terms of words but when we manifest these things practically they do actually help so we carry on because you know people come in our lives with different expectations we have different identities and people have different expectations at our school at our job in our relationships so you know we fulfill those expectations but when it comes to our own self, we also have certain issues, not just about conflict, maybe some other issues as well. So we deal with them mm -hmm. because let's not based on one thing like two wrongs don't make one right. Just because uh, we are suffering, it doesn't mean we make other people suffer. Rather than that, 
we should be able to help other people. We should be able to empathize with other people. So yeah, we have to get also on, ease our own. Su- it, our some own days suffering. are more difficult than others, but then there is always a way through. So if we keep enduring, if it is too much, we recommend professional help. But if it's as a natural course of it, some days are harder than the others. We have our own mechanisms. Some people have faith, other people volunteer, other people reach out to family, friends. So based on all these mechanisms as a community, we can develop resilience and we can thrive. So, you know, that's what I would say. Absolutely. One thing you pointed out uh, uh, already is that there is no shame in seeking professional help because there is a strong, not just in Kashmir, but I'll say all over the subcontinent, there is a stigma associated with mental health that mm-hmm. you yes. are very reluctant to seek professional help. So you said that there mm-hmm. are some red right. flags that when you reach those, you have to yes. go to a professional, be it a psychotherapist, mm-hmm. a psychiatrist. So uh, can you just yes. elaborate more on that? When should Kashmiris who are outside um, mm-hmm. be more focused mm-hmm and think that, okay, now is the time that we need to talk to uh, someone about this and seek help. Yes. Well, uh, first of all, when we talk about stigma, I can understand in Kashmir or as a subcontinent as a whole, the stigma is extremely strong, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in other parts of the world. I mean, I have lived in Europe. I wrote my thesis in Germany as well. Stigma still is prevalent there, as well as especially in the Muslim populations uh, living in the West, let's talk about Australia or North America or Europe, for example, which is why uh, there is a trend of growing Muslim psychologists practicing in different parts of the world because uh, they wouldn't, uh, Muslim population as a whole, they would try to, uh, you know, prefer somebody who understands their background and culture as well as their faith, right? So the stigma is uh, pretty strong and I I, I deal in this field and I can understand, especially with uh, Kashmiri people. And as people, I can say about Kashmiris is that we are post-active people. You know, it's always uh, like prevention is better than cure. But when is it that we go to the doctor after we get sick? We visit the dentist after we have toothache. Right. Right. We never uh, go just to the doctor to see if we are doing all right physically. Why is it that we don't visit dentist every six months or, uh, you know, an ophthalmologist or, you know, it's regular time. Same for mental health. We think we have to be crazy or something has to be like seriously wrong. We should have something definitely going on. Uh, You know, things have to be like really, really south for us in order to uh, seek mental health. No, that's not really right. You know, sometimes you can visit people like me because I do life coaching as well, because I'm not only about treating mental health uh, disorders. I'm also about uh, promoting the quality of life and uh, values like, you know, self-esteem, self-image, self-confidence, all those things. I work in that field as well. So if you want to have a session with me just like that, there is nothing wrong with that. You know, you don't have to have, first of all, anything wrong with your mental health in order to seek mental health, uh, mental, uh, you know, health uh, help or seeking that sort of help. That's the first right. thing. And uh, what are the red flags or warning signals? Well, time is a uh, time factor is uh, essential in order to uh, make a proper. OK, here's the thing. For example, let's say loss of a beloved one in life you know, having a breakup after a relationship or losing somebody that we were really close with. So what happens is uh, it's a natural process to grieve and then it gets over, right? Sadness, trauma, 
all these things. But if it doesn't get over with time, we need to seek help, right? And more often than not, we feel like, you know what, let's not seek help. It's gonna, we are gonna get over it with time. But that's not the reality, right? So what I would recommend is, so for example, let's say for anxiety or for depression, which are like extremely common, you know, one in four people, which is like 25% of the population as has some sort of mental disorder in some part of their life. So it's not something very uncommon. All right. So one thing is uh, you feel what you call as anhedonia. You don't uh, feel interested in the activities that you really used to love. For example, sports, writing, poetry, whatever your interests are. And if you feel like, you know, you just don't love it anymore. That's uh, that's a red flag. That's a warning signal. Uh, thinking, contemplating about suicide. Mm. You know, that is, uh, you know, I have seen people, you know, two teenagers in the neighborhood where I live in Kashmir in Sanatnagar, two uh, teenage, one guy and one girl, they took their own lives. You know, because sometimes for teenagers, you know, the pain of uh, life seems greater than the pain of death. You know, nobody goes to that level of committing suicide without contemplating it over and over. And contemplation of suicide means, uh, it doesn't mean like, you know what, on a fine day, you just get up and you just want to kill Yeah, it's a very long process. It's, it's a process, you know, it's a whole process. Like you, first of all, you don't feel accepted in the society. You feel you don't belong in. And then you start, let's say, for example, talking about killing yourselves or talking about how life is meaningless or uh, started uh, behaving in a way that you are giving away the possessions or the things that you love. You know, these are certain signals within the idea of contemplating suicide. So that is another sign. So we have to be careful about also, uh, this sense of grief and hopelessness and this heart is like sinking all the time and you don't find meaning and there is a problem in uh, wake up and sleep cycle you know that is uh, one of the things uh, that is uh, essential uh, to uh, understand so those are some of the signs of uh, depression you know so if it happens over a certain period of time you know we all feel depressed in some part of our life like i said somebody passes away and stuff but this should go over you should be over it but if it doesn't let's say especially for two months or three months you should definitely seek uh, some help and then it is up to the psychiatrist or to the psychotherapist or a clinical psychologist to see if there is something really wrong something that you can be over or if you need medicine or if there is something ultimately as a disorder uh, which is uh, there and as far as anxiety is concerned so a lot of young people that reach me they're having panic attacks which is associated uh, sometimes with uh, anxiety. So anxiety for to be for somebody clinically to be diagnosed with anxiety, like generalized anxiety disorder, which you also call as GAD or GAD, mm-hmm. it needs a time frame of six months. So you cannot be diagnosed if it's less than uh, six months. So uh, time factor is also essential when it comes to uh, diagnosis. But this feeling of sweating and tightness in the chest and having panic attacks or sweating profusely or excessive fear when it's not necessary, like overreacting to certain things, those are like signs of anxiety. That's also a red flag. That's also, uh, you know, a red uh, flag or a signal that um, I would say. I'd also like you to know, so, point out uh, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, this message is not just for people who are experiencing it. This is also for people whose loved ones and close ones are in this feeling because 
god forbid right. if somebody is contemplating suicide and mm-hmm. he is thinking about losing interest in his life and he is in a state of despair all the time he will yes. want that to happen he won't go to the doctor it is your duty that you mm-hmm. deal with this very intelligently and you pick him up and take him for help maybe he will be reluctant right. earlier but you have to motivate him or yes. her and uh, it is also the duty of like we said we are a closely knit society we know what's happening True. with our loved ones so yes. i think it's our role as well right and uh, it is our role as well as i would like to emphasize we are a society that's based in faith right we might be religious we might not be practicing we might be practicing but at the same time we are a faith based society i can say that and as such sometimes if there is something really wrong what we try to attribute everything is to the lack of faith you know so you're having symptoms of anxiety or you're having symptoms of uh, depression no it's because of lack of faith you know what you're going to pray five times a day or you're going to read the quran and it's going to go away that's not always the truth True. you know we look at things in very uh, you know simplistic manner so let's say yeah, somebody that's very superficial broken... of somebody to absolutely you know somebody yeah. has a broken leg or somebody has a fracture you don't tell them to read the quran or pray five times a day no you first fix the problem you know right. even the prophetic tradition in which he said that you know what uh, tie your camel then trust allah then leave to god yeah probably yeah Perfect. so you have to first of all do your best and then only yeah sure so if somebody is depressed i'm not saying that don't seek answers within your religion because you know what we in french you call as raison d'etre which is the reason for being you know why do we exist and a lot of those people especially kashmiris we find that uh, into our faith we find that meaning in our religion so we will seek those existential answers from the religion and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that but first of all understand that there is something wrong understand that you need to address certain anxieties or you need to address your depression maybe you also need to take therapy as well as medication and then only in the process of it you know we will find an answer maybe to the suffering to what is happening and why is it happening but at the same time seeking help is really essential and india as a whole you know i'm not just talking about kashmir india has a population of 1.3 billion people and there are less than 2000 working uh, psychologists in india which is a shame i mean i uh, i'm not sure how many there are in kashmir because after i passed my 12th i just left uh, you know i just go back and do some workshops and what we also call as psychological first aid you know some day we can talk in detail about it what i try to promote is there are programs in which workshops i try to do about promoting psychological first aid in which every individual can help other individuals with certain amount of training in how do we promote psychological well-being and it is the duty of everybody as a community to promote it absolutely and uh, um you just pointed it out that uh, uh, the ratio of psychologists and mental health professionals is extremely low and i and just yes. to point it out msf stopped its operation in kashmir that's uh, right a week ago because of the communications clampdown and they yes. were not able the teams were not able to coordinate mm-hmm. so they had to forcefully shut down their operations yeah. until mm-hmm. the communication services and internet were back so that That's is also right. another shame of It's how sad. mental health is only getting yes. worsened because of the communications clamp and they were doing some really good job on the ground yes. so far as yes. i have read the reports i have contacted certain people msf has been really active in promoting you know uh, psychological first aid in that sense and also we have a lack of institutions 
uh, which promote psychological and mental health in the way that it should be you know Absolutely. so that is important and what i would also like to suggest here is sometimes we try to help and we end up giving more damage causing oh, yeah, more we damage have to than be help. careful about that and and, and and i tell you what i tell you something here there is a concept of ignorance and there is something called as compounded ignorance let me give an example a person who has not been to university the person knows i don't have a degree i don't know so it's in the level of ignorance right and then a person goes to the university and also doesn't learn anything but thinks that he knows everything and that is compounding ignorance you know so why yes. i'm giving you this example is just because for example i have seen the curriculum of some of the public universities in kashmir or in india and what they are taught about psychology it's not even applicable the syllabus has not been revised maybe in 100 years and uh, just for the information psychology students are themselves highly confused as well as the people uh, you know because a lot of people reach me with these questions let's say i'm in kashmir university or i'm in this university that if i do my psychology do i become a counselor or a therapist and the answer is no you don't there is an academic stream maybe because when you study that sort of a curriculum after you do do those degrees you can just teach it to the students at the university it doesn't have a practical application or use there are ways so we don't have mechanisms in order to know what makes counselors proper counselor just because you have a degree if you don't have supervision if you haven't finished a certain number of hours and courses into therapy no you can't you will actually do more harm than good just because you have a degree let's say an ma in psychology it doesn't make you a therapist it just makes you you know i don't know you just have certain skills and you just have a degree and absolutely you, will not you help just anybody. have a degree no you, you you won't and mostly you have to study in western universities mostly in order to uh, you know be properly uh, have proper supervision hours and stuff in india also there are certain universities which do that but overall there is also a lack of mechanism in the education system as well which is causing this deficit that we are talking about absolutely thank you for that now before we wrap up there mm-hmm. are certain important points i want to touch yes. uh since i'm also a medical student and i That's have read right. psychiatry mm-hmm. um there are things that we call as stressors right yes. so uh i want to point out that let's let's just briefly uh to our listeners mm-hmm. g- chalk out a few do's and don'ts mm-hmm. what stressors do we avoid we have already talked yeah. about what to do let's see yes. what not what should we not do and yes. what stresses do we avoid like you said we take a news break what mm-hmm. else would you want them to avoid and in instead replace them with what so that the outcome is a better mental health yes so uh we talked about uh, the news how you give yourself a news break how you detox yourself from the social media that is the biggest thing that i would say you know at the same time the fear and anxiety that you have replace it with self care because as i said you cannot serve from an empty vessel so if you have anxiety you have fears which we all have which i do as a psychologist as a kashmiri as a human being as a muslim i have fears just like everybody else does or maybe more but how do we deal with them we have to learn the art of compartmentalization you know yes i have an identity as a psychologist but at the same time i'm somebody's son somebody's brother and uh, you know as such so we have to compartmentalize our duties and try our best in whatever we do so replacing our fear with the self care caring for ourselves as well as 
trying to restore and strengthen our relationships with others and with God and being uh, in spiritual in uh, that sense that really helps. So that uh, trauma can actually lead to increased uh, spirituality into us and lead to more openness and confidence. That is essential. And uh, stressors, share your story. You know, what is stressing you out to your friends, your anxieties and things, vent it out. You know, that's why connections are necessary. Reach out to other people, you know, your friends in your community and organize something, you know, a get together, a reward yourself. You know, yeah, despite of what is happening, we still have to survive. Yes, I know it's a really sad condition, but you grieving over it all the time is not going to make condition of Kashmiris better. Action helps. So don't live in your mind live in reality, do something that helps, you know, uh, that is uh, really essential. Be like a lifeboat, be like a support to others, you know, be somebody who uplifts the condition of other people, right? So that is uh, what I would recommend as well, as well as keeping yourself positive, trying to have a normal lifestyle that you had before all of these things have happened because worrying doesn't change anything. Practical steps do change. And remember, as I talked about uh, the Treaty of uh, Hudaybiyah, like, you know, which had a long-term good effect. Think about education. That is the way in which we can upgrade and better our condition. You know, if you ask me, the only and the biggest solution that we can do uh, to promote our cause is to educate ourselves. Because without education, we don't have any other route or any other route which is better than educating ourselves. So I would recommend that. And in the end, uh, just like let's say as a homework, uh, I can tell you a story which is based in our faith because sometimes uh, I do therapy which is based on... uh, Islamic uh, principles. So, uh, you know, when um, Prophet uh, started, uh, when he started to practice uh, and inviting people to Islam uh, and the revelation came to him. And uh, then the revelation actually stopped for six months. And these are the initial days. And uh, once the revelation stopped for six months, And uh, the Prophet stopped, uh, I mean, he started getting worried about uh, the whole condition and what is happening. And then the people uh, started talking that, you know what, uh, maybe the God that he was talking about has left him, has deserted him. And which is the reason why the chapter of Duha in the Quran, uh, which means the forenoon, has uh, been revealed uh, upon him. And it has a deeper meaning. The chapter of Doha, I would always recommend this for somebody with depression or with anxiety or yes. having these symptoms. And I tell you why. Because this chapter is, uh, it's, is amazingly unique in its uh, arrangement of words as well as in its literal and metaphorical meanings, right? Because it starts with, uh, you know, uh, saying uh, it talks about uh, what duha it talks about uh, the brightness the of morning the morning light. yeah the, yeah. the morning light is duha in arabic right walayl is a saja and then he talks about uh, allah talks about night as it envelops or as it is covered in darkness right so the people with depression they often have a cycle of uh, they sleep in the day and they are awake by the night right so that is yes. uh, uh, one of the things, you know, the problem in the sleep and uh, uh, waking cycle. And then it goes on saying, 
that it's Allah is telling the prophets listen that you know that God has not left you or he has not uh, forsaken you and your hereafter is definitely going to be better than uh, this life and uh, you will surely be satisfied by whatever we are uh, trying to give you yeah. and then exactly well so for you and your lord will give you what what with whatever you would be well satisfied with and then remember we have hardships like you know allah says in surah balad as well we created man in hard work in toil right so life is not always going to be easy it's not like a bed of flowers which is made for you all the time so we have to struggle and then in back to surah duha and allah says that uh, that uh, weren't uh-huh. you an orphan an and orphan. we gave you the refuge right and then we found you last and then we guided you right and why Absolutely. is uh, allah trying to emphasize this and uh, why is it essential because you know it has a different sort of interpretation uh, if we talk about uh, tafsir which was done by Imam Razi, which we also call as Tafsir Kabir, because it's so huge in its interpretation. But the Arabic term is uh, Mafati al-Ghayb, which is the keys of the unseen. And he, when he talks about uh, Surah Duha, when Imam Razi talks about it, he says when uh, God says Surah Duha, it means the face of the Prophet, which is so lit with nur and light. And when he says Wallail, uh, he talks about the night, which is like the hair of the Prophet. And something interesting about this chapter is, you see, when... Uh, the, the the pace of this chapter of the Quran is extremely fast. The way the words are like what the Havalaylis are suggests, pretty fast. As well as we see that how uh, the God's love for the Prophet is so much that you know what when somebody is hurt, you know, with us, and we try to make it up to that person by reminding them of the past. We're like, how can you be so sad with me? Because don't you remember what I have done for you? This, this, and that. If I was really sad with you, why would I have done all these things to you? Same is what is Allah is trying to tell the Prophet is that uh, don't be sad that the revelation has not come to you. Weren't you an orphan and we found you? How many times that we are living far from our families? So who took care of us? It is Absolutely. our God. You know, sometimes as students, you don't have money. Sometimes you don't eat food properly. Sometimes you get sick and we think we're going to die, but we don't. We still make it through. So who is looking all over us? It's Allah who is looking over us. And despite of all the hardships, there are things that are better things that are coming. That is another message of this chapter. And then when it progresses and uh, it talks about uh, the orphans, right? And it talks about... Uh, you know and it talks about giving back absolutely. Absolutely. and then absolutely. says that when you find when you find a poor person don't reject don't repel him. the poor person you know absolutely. yeah then whoever is asking you know falatanhar like you don't you don't repel uh, those people why is it talking about the orphan and the poor here because it's giving us a sense to look upon those who are less privileged than us and trust me working with people who are uh, writing my thesis about syrian refugee children i was asking this child i was like uh, there is a section in the questionnaire about feeling about your parents like are they living or dead and or their profession as such demographic questions of my thesis and one child and she got up and she said i don't have any so what am i going to write here so there are surely people uh, who are in worse conditions than we do. So we have to have a look on them so that it also gives us some hope. And that is why 
you know, in this chapter, you can find that even from a psychological perspective, there is a narrative there. You know, the one who came even before us, who brought to us this message of religion of Islam, he also suffered much more on many more degrees than we do so that we find solace, you know, we find that solace in, in his being. And that is essential because we are a community that's based on faith and we need to interpret our faith in a way that it makes us strong and uh, it keeps us alive and it keeps us happy and it keeps us thriving. And that is really essential. Even though, you know, me personally, I might be saying all these things. I'm not a very religious person. Yes, spiritually active. Yes, you can say that. But at the same time, the faith in God, every Kashmiri has that. Despite the level of actual Absolutely. religious practice. And we need to keep that because we are always united in that vision of our faith in a greater cause and a faith in a greater being, which is our God. So, yeah, that's what I would say you know, as a conclusion that what we can do. Thank you so much. In order to and, help uh, ourselves. I'm, I hope, uh, I really hope that uh, this little session uh, not only helped people uh, in getting out of uh, the despair they were in, but it also made uh, the listeners understand that how they can not just help themselves, but help others and yes. bring them out of despair. And they can channelize this anger, this frustration, for something good and something that will eventually benefit mm -hmm. not just Kashmir or the community that they're living in right now, but humanity as a yes, whole. That's right. Uh, Yakin Sab, I'm extremely grateful to you for joining this podcast here with me. And do you have any final words? Well, as final words, I would say that uh, we must live strong. We must keep our faith, our aspiration, our dreams alive because a person cannot take those things away from you. You know, uh, this was what uh, one of the Islamic uh, scholars, Muslim scholars, Ibn Taymiyyah, he always used to say that, uh, what can my enemies do to me? My paradise lies in my heart. If they kill me, that is uh, shahada, what you call as martyrdom. And uh, if uh, they kick me out of my land, uh, that is like hijra, that is like I'm migrating somewhere else. And if they put me in the prison, that is like halwa, which is solitude, a state in which you can remember God properly. Because ideas at the end of the day are bulletproof. A person can take away everything from you, but the what is inside of you, those assets, they cannot be taken by anybody so we have to keep our internal struggle alive and we have to keep that flame into us and we have to help each other in our aspiration so don't lose hope don't lose your faith keep them and inshallah we will be united with our families uh, sooner or later i know it has been a lot uh, the darkness has been prevailing but after every uh, dark cloudy day or days or winds and stuff there is always a bright sunshine and there is always uh, you know what you can say a rainbow at the corner so that's what i would say so yeah those are the final words uh, thank you so much, Yakin Saab, uh, for joining me on this podcast. This was a wonderful experience. The pleasure experience. is all mine. Thank you. Thank you so much. And our audience, if you want to follow Yakin Saab uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or any social media, just go to at that social media and type in at Y-A-Q-E-N-S-I-K-N-D-R, Yakin Sikandar. He has his Inspire Me Foundation, and you can know more about what he does and support him in his work. Thank you so much, Yakin Saab. Take care of yourself. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much as well. Please take care of yourself. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. Okay, assalamu alaikum.
Goodbye, Allah Hafiz. Allah Hafiz. Uh, what a lovely time uh, we had on this podcast with Yaqeen Saab. I hope it has helped you and you not only can now benefit yourself, but now you can spread this light with others and identify whoever needs help. And whenever you see red flags, you just make sure that the person doesn't go further south. I'd like to end this podcast with a poem that gives me a lot of hope and it is Dua by Faiz Ahmed Faiz. It is already on my YouTube channel. I'll just plug that in here. And with this Dua, a prayer by Faiz Ahmed Faiz, I say goodbye and see you again in the next podcast. Goodbye from Kashmir and me. Dua आइए हाथ उठाएं हम भी हम जिन्हें रस्मे दुआ याद नहीं हम जिन्हें सोजे मोहब्बत के सिवा कोई बुत कोई खुदा याद नहीं आइए अर्ज गुजारें कि निगारे हस्ती जहरे इमरोज मशीरी ने फरदा भरते वो जिन्हें ताबे गिरा बारिए अयाम नहीं उनकी पलकों पे शबरोस को हल्का कर दें जिनकी आंखों को रुखे सुबह का यारा भी नहीं उनकी रातों में कोई शम मुनवर कर दें जिनके कदमों को किसी राह का सहारा भी नहीं उनकी नजरों पे कोई राह उजागर कर दें जिनका दीन पैरवी किसबुरिया है उनको हिम्मत कुफ्र मिले जुर्रत तहकीक मिले जिनके सर मुंतजरे तेरे जफा है उनको दस्ते कातिल को झटक देने की तोफीक मिले इश्क का सिरे नहा जहा तपा है जिससे आज करार करे और तपिश मिट जाए हर फिहक दिल में खटकता है जो कांटे की तरह आज इजहार करें और खलिश मिट जाए फैज अहमद This poem is written by Faiz Ahmed Faiz, one of the most popular poets of Urdu language and translated to English by Baran Farooqi in her book The Colors of My Heart. Prayer. Come, let us also raise our hands to pray. We who have forgotten the protocols of prayer. We who don't remember anything. No God no idol nothing except the burning pain of love come let us pray let us pray that the beloved called life may pour tomorrow's sweetness in the poison of today lighten the burden of the days and nights on the eyelashes of those who don't have the strength anymore to bear it brighten with a candle any candle the nights of those whose eyes have lost the power to sustain the glance of morning's bright face bring to light a path any path 
before the eyes of those whose feet haven't the support of any kind of road. For those whose dogma has been to walk the path of untruth, of hypocrisy, let them be vouchsafed the strength of denial and intrepid search for truth. Let those whose heads await the executioner's sword be granted the puissant grace to wrench and spurn the murderer's hands. The buried secret of love, which is like a fever in the spirit, let's confess to it today and obliterate the burning pain. The true word, which throbs in the heart like a thorn, let us say it today and take away the stab of the pain. Thank you so much for listening to the recitation of this beautiful poem. Please like and subscribe to my channel for more videos.